Good afternoon, Paul. Senor Lahad. I thank God for this yet another privilege of sharing the word with you. We thank God as well for the announcement earlier that beginning next week, officially, we will have our second service that will accommodate those who for a long time are longing to be here, to be physically with us in worshiping the Lord. We have been hearing about this term, new normal, the past few months. And this new normal is some sort of replacing the traditional way or old normal of doing things. I think we will be ushered into that. We can safely say that will be the case because of the government response to the pandemic in, in relation to that safe distancing measures that they have put in place. But I believe there is that traditional practice that will stay for a while. What I mean is this. This month is a month of December Napodiba. And in, when it's December, what season are we observing? Christmas. And when December kicks in, we already know and we can hear a lot of Christmas carols. In fact, back to the Philippines, as early as September, we already can hear this. Before the month of September, I began to receive these Christian memes. You know, this guy is very familiar. It was sent to me in our WhatsApp group by one of our kapamilyas. And tanong is, ready na ba kayo? One week na lang, ilang tulog na lang, and then it's here, it's time. They are referring to September 1st because from September 1st, they will be playing all those Christmas carols. One source says that the top or the most popular Christmas carols of all time is Joy to the World. It was a song written by Isaac Watts in 1700. And I checked what Filipino Christmas song is most popular. What do you think it will be? Ang Pasko ay sumapit. Yes, we grew up hearing these songs and there are a lot of memories and it revives our memories when we were young. But I have some comments to these two songs. Joy to the World, as far as my reviews went, when Isaac Watts wrote this song, it has nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever. It was actually written for the second coming of the Lord. That's why if you look at the lyrics of that song, it pertains to the Lord Jesus Christ reigning on earth. Anyway, the Lord Jesus came and we are expecting him to come again. It's okay, it's appropriate still to sing that during Christmas. Now, Ang Pasko ay sumapit, there is a line in that song which says, Nang si Cristo ay isilang, may tatlong hari ang nagsidalaw. We know for a fact now, the Bible, they were not kings. They were wise men or magi. At sinasabi doon, we are not sure how many of them. The Bible never really cleared that. Maybe two or three or four, but no one uh, is sure about that. And in general, we always see when these wise men or three kings so-called, they eventually presented their gifts, we can see that they are presenting it with, to the baby Jesus in a manger. You know how long it took for these wise men to reach Bethlehem 
because they came from Persia. And it took them at least a year or two years. So when they eventually presented, the gift is no longer in a major environment. Now, allow me to share a Christmas carol, not on the top two or top three, but it so packs so much truth, meaning theology-wise. This is this song. It is written by Charles Wesley, brother of uh, John Wesley, the one who uh, founded Methodism. The song is, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. And then the second stanza is even better. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. There is a line in this song which I want to call your attention that late in time, behold him come. I want to raise two questions which will be our message for today. And I offer you two verses which will be our text. Can I just invite everyone to stand? We have this text, Romans 1 verse 1 to 4 and Galatians 4 verse 4 to 5. I will just read it. Paul, a servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in holy scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Lord, thank you for the words that we just read. Be with us today. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts so that we can receive your message. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have entitled our message today, Christmas Through the Ages. When I presented that Christmas carol, late in time, behold him come, I suppose to ask two questions. Where did Christmas begin and why did it happen then? To answer this, where did Christmas begin is Christmas or Nagsimulapuba and Christmas a manger when Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Did it start at the announcement of the shepherds by the angels when the angels said, I bring you great news of great joy for today 
A Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. Doon po ba nagsimula ang Christmas? Or when the wise men eventually discovered and presented their gifts to Jesus? Or maybe we can go back doon sa book ni Daniel. Did the Christmas begin when Daniel had that great vision of the kingdom filling the whole earth and it's one person ruling, which is called the Son of Man? Doon po ba nagsimula ang Christmas? Or maybe we can go back to another Old Testament book, the book of Isaiah, specifically doon sa Isaiah 7 verse 14 when it says, Behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Doon po ba nag-start ang Christmas? Or maybe two chapters later, doon sa Isaiah 9 verse 6 and 7. It says there, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this, forth and from this, forth, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Doon po ba nagsimula ang Christmas? Think no. To answer that question, we have to go all the way back dun sa book of Genesis. We have to begin with that story. The book of Genesis opens up with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then dun sa succeeding verses, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And God saw that it was good. And that was the day one. And then on the day two, God created stuff. And, so, and God said it was good. And on the day three, God continues to create stuff. And that's all for chapter one. God saw all that was good. And he said, that was good. And then on chapter two, the following chapter, he created his crowning creation. He made man and woman in his image. Our first parents. Adam and Eve. The glory of the Lord manifested in these two people. They are perfect. They are sinless. In full cooperation with their creator, our father. And the dominion was given to them to subdue the earth. It was all very good, God said, until we get to chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Genesis, that kind of, uh uh-oh, it's a U-turn. What happened there? Because we learn of this free will that the first man and the first woman was deceived and chose to disobey God, estranged themselves, and then cooperated with the serpent in the, his, in the story. And we know that being we know as Satan. And because they listened to him and they followed him, they lost the God-given dominion to this world and in effect subdued by the serpent. And they were so alienated from God, and God vanished them out of the garden and would not let them return. Now, as we are reading this story, what's going, what is God going to do now? Is that, is, does he have any plan to save his fallen creation? Well, we are left wondering until 
we reach Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's as if God's saying, yes, I have a plan. I'm going to do something about this. Last Sunday, Pastor Ray gave us some three Latin words. Today, I will be sharing to you a Greek word. It's actually Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is called by many theologians this Greek word, proto-evangelium. Greek word means the first gospel. It was in this verse that the first mention of good news was anticipated. Ano po ba yung sinasabi ng Genesis 3.15? Let us read. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. If that statement was given to us there and then, we may not quite understand what it means, except that there is an enmity mentioned there. Enmity means conflict. There will be a conflict between the serpent and the woman. So what after that? But when we go to the next place, between your seed and her seed, we still don't quite understand what that seed means because it could be plural or it could be singular. It could be many or it could be one. But then we will reach the last phrase of that statement when it says, you shall bruise your head and you shall bruise, please pay attention, it said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There is a he in the story. There is a he that is anticipated, a his or a him that is coming. So we all know now that there is this he, there is this conflict, and then it will end when that he will come and give a fatal blow, a strike to the head of that serpent. But he himself will receive a temporary wound, a bruise in the heel. Now, as we read through this, who is that offspring? Every one of us, technically or fundamentally, we are all offspring of Adam and Eve. Until we read the story, Cain kills Abel, and then Adam had another son by the name of Seth. And after that, the population grew up until we reached the time of Noah. The population, the people then, were so wicked, God decided to vanish and annihilate through a worldwide flood, and only eight people were spared. So we now know that that lineage will come through Noah, because there are only eight people to repopulate the world back then. So as we go down the line, the story shows us that that person, that guy, is Abraham. And God promised Abraham that this promise, I will, bless, I will surely bless you, and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars on the sky and as the sun on the seashore. And all nations will be blessed through your seed. Again, there is that seed. And so from Abraham, we know that it was inherited by Isaac, his second son or first son of Sarah. From Isaac went to Jacob in chapter 28 of Genesis, his second son again. And from Jacob went to Judah, as we can see in Genesis chapter 49, which is the fourth son of Jacob. And from there, we read the story, 
David inherited the kingdom centuries later. And David was promised by God himself that one who is the seed of David will inherit the throne and will sit and rule the earth forever and ever and ever. Now, we can see the preservation of offspring, that seed. Adam, from Adam to Seth to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, and then David, and then to Jesus. No wonder when we open up the beginning of New Testament in Matthew 1, the, verse, the first verse that we will be reading is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it can be traced all the way back to the beginning. It's the genealogy of that he, that him who is going to crush the serpent's authority, he was preserved in history. By the way, Jesus Christ has these three basic credentials that separate him from every other belief system. Number one, his impact on world history. Number two, his bodily resurrection. And number three, the fulfilled prophecy. Did you know that the prophets of old spoke in advance of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection? And I talk about prophecy, I don't mean it a good guess with all those complex possibilities that cannot just be controlled and known in advance, but these things are written in detail before they happened. All that to authenticate the scripture, what we call the Bible, that it is different from all other holy books, they say, they call. It is the word of God, and the word of God predicts the work of God through that one who is coming. So that's the Romans one that we mentioned. That's where the Christmas began in Genesis 3.15. Now, let me comfort you with this assurance. God does not only fulfill prophecies generations upon generations, He also fulfilled promises He made or He made to each and every one of us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows exactly what we are doing, what we are longing, what we are aspiring. He has a plan for us, and He is not yet true with us. So be encouraged with that fact that God knows you personally and he has promises that you can claim. Amen. Second, why then? Sorry. Why then? Why did it happen then? Ang question po natin pangalawa. But sinasabi po ni Paul, yung binasa natin kanina, Galatians 4, Paul writes, And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. He says it was the fullness of time. The word fullness means or came from the word pleroma. It means ripe or right, plump or full. But you might be scratching your head. Why was that the right time? I mean, I would think our era today is the right time technology-wise. Meaning our technology can help God to spread his message even faster. I mean, Bethlehem could have been a Facebook live event. It could be streamed through high-resolution TVs, through satellites around the world in real time. 
and Joseph could have just prepared an Instagram story and sent to friends. The shepherds could have taken a selfie. One more, one more, with the angels at the time that the angels announced it uh, to them. Or the Magi could have just tweeted their location as they are being guided by that star night after night. But Paul says that was the fullness of time. It was the right time. It was the right time. The full time. Why? Before I get to that, let me just tell you something that we can apply to our own lives. God is never late. He's never early too. He's never late, but sometimes you think he was late. Maybe you are just too early. Long time in this church, not this place, but somewhere because we have so many places in the past. We have this conference, Love, Courtship, and Marriage. And with that famous answer of the Lord that is being shared, these are the three answers the Lord, as the pastor, is giving. Yes, no, and wait. So, may nagtanong, magtaas, pag hindi yes, pag hindi no, wait, sabi nung sister yung nagtaas ng kamay. Pastor, 40 plus na, wait pa rin. I just want you, you may consult Sister Mabel for that, yeah? Yes, indeed, it's the fullness of time. God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. So in this light, when Jesus first comes on the scene in the book of Mark, this is what He said. The time has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So why was that the right time? Well, let me suggest to you, it was the right time spiritually. The Jews for centuries had been oppressed. They had many, they had many oppressors, from the Assyrians to the Babylonians, to the Middle Persians, to the Greeks, and now at that time, from the Romans. Secular history has recorded that there was a messianic fervor. They were asking for deliverance. They were really praying and expecting a deliverer will come. There is that heightened expectation, a fervency at the time of Jesus, unlike no other times in history. So they were waiting, no wonder, at the time of John the Baptist, when he came to the scene, they came to him and asked him, Are you the Messiah? Are you the one to fix all this? Are you the one? So that kind of waiting, that kind of expectation was so heightened. So it came when the, right, when the time is spiritually right. Let me also suggest it was the right time Culturally, we know there is this guy by the name of Alexander who think he was great. Yes, he was named Alexander the Great. He has this gigantic dream. He wants to Hellenize the whole world. What that means is he wanted to give a common language to the world, a common culture, his culture and his Greek language. And he pretty much succeeded. It was said that you could travel from India to Britain at that time with one common language. And by the way, Alexander the Great, 
he was tutored by Aristotle. Aristotle, in turn, learned from Plato, and Plato actually was a student of Socrates. We know, maybe probably all these names, they are known philosopher of all times. So there's the common language. Ideas can now spread freely. And by the way, one source says that the Greek language is the most precise language to convey human thoughts that we, could, that we have. So things are just being set up. It's the right time spiritually and culturally. So let me suggest another thing. It was the right time politically. You know, it was the Roman Empire at the time Jesus was born. There was this called Roman peace or Pax Romana. It was an enforced peace. They built 400,000 kilometers of roads. There is, this, that, there is this saying, all roads lead to Rome. I'm not sure if you already encountered that word. Those 20% of those roads are stone paved. You can still see some of their remains today. And these roads are guarded with soldiers because of that enforced peace. So now you can travel speedily on those roads because of this Pax Romana and spreading exactly ideas with one common language. Indeed, the fullness of time had come. Let me just share again a word of Solomon for us. In Ecclesiastes, he said, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. In our own lives, God has a timing. There is a song that says, in his time, he will make all things beautiful. Let us be encouraged with that. Now, let us have a close look at that phrase, God sent forth his son. Notice how Paul wrote that. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Notice how he wrote it. It did not write, when the time is right, Jesus was born. Though that was true, he was born. But when the time was right, God sent forth his son. That phrasing suggests pre-existence. It suggests that our Lord Jesus was somewhere else first before he was sent here. He himself, when he was deliberating with the teachers of the Jews, when they asked him, you are not even 50 years old and you already have seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. When Pontius Pilate was investigating him, and Pontius Pilate asked, what is truth? And he said, for this reason, I came into the world to bear witness for the truth. It suggests pre-existence. Just as also Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. So let me spell it out. Jesus existed in the presence of God the Father, Jesus being the second member of the triune God, and just at the right perfect time in history, as seen fit by God, he sprang into action and sent forth his Son from his presence to ours. That is what we just read during the love offering, John 1 verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the reincarnation. Now, 
why back it? Why go all that trouble and have it predicted and have the lineage preserved and that's it all the way down to these generations? Why? Paul tells us that at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the law. That is the word. He did all this. Why the trouble? To redeem us. Redeem is a word from the slave market from the ancient past. It means to buy us in the market, to buy in the marketplace, or the word is agorazo in Greek. To buy and remove and no longer for sale, that is exagorazo. And then to set us free or to lose because we are already paid in full. So Jesus came from heaven to earth to the slave market of sin and paid the price so we could be taken to his house and be adopted as his sons. So listen to the whole verse. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might have adoption as sons. We are no longer slaves. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We have been bought with a price. We have been bought with his blood. The price has been paid because the seed, the offspring, has come to end the dominion of the serpent. So now we may love the Christmas carol that I just shared with you earlier. The hark, the herald angel sing, let me share again with you. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, please us man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Now that's a song so rich in truth. Now compare that to another song, a very popular song. The world loves this song. I love to sing this song during this time of the year. And this song in comparison to other songs that I mentioned earlier, it's weak and kind of uh, diluted. I think you will recognize it the moment I speak the word. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows you when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Does that sound threatening us? Of course it does. It was designed to scare children to keep them being good, for goodness sake, because Santa is coming. Now, there is in history a man named Nicholas. He was born in 4th century AD. He was a Christian. He was a believer. He was a wealthy man. And he helps a lot of poor, and he did a lot of anonymous giving, helping the charity. 
That's where it all started, this concept of Santa Claus. But it's not what, like the song says, because when we teach our children that song as to the essence of Christmas, we're teaching them that Santa, to a certain extent, is a transcendent being because he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you're being good, something like this. So he also said that he gave us gifts based on our goodness. And we will not receive gift if we did done bad. How different Jesus is. He's not there once a year. He's with us every day, all year long. And he gives us gift, not based on our performance, but based on what he did on the cross. He extends his mercy and grace even when we don't deserve it. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. How we love our Jesus. We can trust his promises. We can also trust his threats. Not that of Santa. Yes, he is coming again. He came once and he will come back again. And we celebrate him now. But do you know what? Just as Christmas has been celebrated through the ages, anticipated by the prophets through the ages, predicted through the ages, do you know that Jesus and the event that happened in his lifetime will be celebrated again? Not just in the past ages, but in the future ages. Ephesians 2 says that, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his, Christ, of his grace in Christ. So we are sort of in the middle. We're in the comma between ages past and ages future. The full meaning of Christmas is not just the birth of the Lord Jesus, but also his death. It does not stop there as well. It will culminate upon his coming again, which is our blessed hope. You know, chiseled into one of the Ralph Buncher Park wall are these words. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. These were actually taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And these were... These words are often repeated by men who long for peace. However, this quotation shall not be taken out of context. The passage speaks of a time when the Messiah will reign over the whole earth. This is the era of which our Lord taught us in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the time when he who comes as a baby at Bethlehem shall come as king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible teaches us that there will be a close to history of man as we know. Because when it seems that man is about to destroy himself, God will intervene. Christ will return. At, the, at his birth, he was in a manger 
At his death, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, he will be a commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. He will take control of this weary world and bring permanent peace that we all strive and long for. In the midst of this gloom or pessimism in the many parts of the world today, as we, maybe you can see, and perhaps your own heart as well, let not this overcome you. Let us be encouraged by these words again of Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let me close with this verse of song in another Christmas carol. Long time ago in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible says, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. Hark now hear the angels sing, a newborn king today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. My dear brothers and sisters, may we always be reminded of this wonderful message of Christmas, that man, you and I, will live forever if we by faith will receive this indescribable gift that he offers. If you are here and happen to be or happen to be listening to this message and perhaps until now you have been celebrating this Christmas of your life for the wrong reasons. How many Christmas have come and gone without you really knowing Jesus and the gift of new life he brings? Why not consider this story, this great story of Christmas, celebrated through the ages and still to be celebrated in the ages to come. To let the Lord Jesus, the reason for the season, to step into your heart, step into your life, and bring life change to you forever. Wherever you are, if you are listening to this message, whether you are at home alone or with your family, I'm just asking you, maybe to just bow down your head and pray with me. Oh God, I have sinned against you. I'm sorry for my sin and I'm willing to turn away from my sins. And by faith, I receive you. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Wash my sins. List my name in the book of life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the Christmas gift that you are giving to everyone who will just accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. To the congregation, I just want to continue praying. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and how inscrutable are his ways. 
Father, we come to you once again, and we are thankful that that Christmas began in your heart, in your mind, long before any one of us existed. In fact, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it says that the Jesus was the Lamb who was slain from the very foundation of the world. It was part of your plan. And though Jesus was temporarily bruised, as the saying, bruised in his heel, he was only there in the grave for three days. He rose from the dead, but that crucifixion ended the authority of Satan to anyone who will put their trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you step out of heaven, Lord, to our world. Not only did you teach great things, do great things, but you have changed so many lives since. Would you change some more, Lord? Would you step into the hearts of those who are open to receive you? You are the historical Jesus who came to space and time and history. You changed history, you rose from the dead, fulfilled prophecy, and can change lives because you are alive right now and alive forever. More and more each day, together at the last sound of the trumpet, Lord, you will come again. Yes, that is our blessed hope and the very reason we continue to rejoice and celebrating this season, for indeed you are the reason for the season. We thank you for the Christmas. We thank you, Lord, that we will be celebrating Christmas through the ages. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Salamat po sa inyo. God bless you. I know it is still 19 days to before Christmas, but I will wish you a Merry Christmas anyhow. Anyway, so let's all stand and let us read this benediction. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. The Lord bless your weekend and this rest of the Sunday. God bless you. Thank you.